Here we go. You're listening to Law and Gospel on this Friday, September the 29th, in the year of our Lord, 2013. Nope, 2023. I'm 10 years too late. Can, can you hardly believe we're almost through 23? We're almost through September. Our next broadcast on Monday will be on October. So today is kind of an open mic email. We received one, uh, has a very interesting topic. If you ever want to email me about what I am saying, then the email to use now is Tom Baker at brick.net. Brick is B-R-I-C-K dot net. That's our new and only email that you can get a hold of me right now, asking questions, giving me insights. Well, here's my question for you today coming from this email. A friend of yours who is not a Christian asks you, why are you a Christian? So in 25 words or less, how would you answer that question? Seriously, think about that. Why would you say that I am a Christian? Now, most of the time, the person who's asking that question is really looking for me to explain the reasons that caused me to embrace the Christian faith. And those reasons would be in my mind, and I would have to tell them those. So I start by telling them that I'm a Christian because I believe two propositions of truth. The first one is God exists. And the second one is Jesus exists and he rose me from the dead. Or he rose from the dead. Now he will rise me from the dead also on the day of judgment. Now, I believe those two claims are true. And if that is correct, then Christianity is valid and anything contradictory or opposed to it is false. Well, end of story? No, I tell you, if you tell someone I'm a Christian because I believe God exists, and Jesus exists and he rose from the dead, you know what's going to follow? A big debate. Why do you think God exists? And those biographies of Jesus, are they really legitimate? Now, some people would be happy to have an argument or discussion on that they would attempt to use what's referred to as evidential apologetics to show the evidence 
that the Bible is true. But you see, there is no evidence that the Bible is true. In our reading coming up for this Sunday, God makes a point that you cannot figure him out. He is way beyond our understanding. His ways are not our ways. As far as the earth is from the heaven, is our ways different than his? You see, much of the Bible is really quite ridiculous. For example, last Sunday, there was this parable of the kingdom of heaven that a farmer hired people in the laborers to work in his field. He hired them really early in the morning. They worked 12, 12 hours. But then he also hired at 9 o'clock, at 11 o'clock, and even in the 11th hour at 5 o'clock. So each of the laborers, they worked in the field, but each of them worked for different hours. So when he told his foreman to pay the laborers, he paid the laborers who had worked only one hour a full denarius. That's a day's wages. Now that's what he had promised those who began to work. So when they came to get their pay, they expected to get more if the person who worked only one hour got a denarius. Certainly they would get more than that. And they grumbled at the master, at the farmer, because he only gave them a denarius. See, that's the way God works. When the kingdom of heaven is talking about people being in the kingdom of heaven, we all get the same gift. A full, blissful life in the eternity of the heavenly Jerusalem. That is the holy Christian church. In the midst of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So, that cannot be proven to anyone. A lot of people try to prove that God exists. And for some people, when they look out into the world and see the mountains, see the beautiful creation, they jump to a conclusion that there must be a God, there must be somebody who's putting that all together who's working it so precisely that the sun is in the right location, that the moon is in the right location, that the atmosphere is the right atmosphere. You know, there are scientists who believe that because there are thousands and thousands of other planets, there's got to be at least one other planet like Earth. 
And so they're always looking for living material on these planets. Now, I'm not saying that there is not living material, like germs and things like that. But of course, we don't believe that there are planets where people have evolved and that there are thinking individuals running the planet because we don't even believe that about earth no god created adam and eve from the dust of the ground from the rib of adam and that's how they came into being in six 24-hour days so it, it's really difficult to prove to someone that the proper God exists. Every religion believes that there is a God who exists, but it's never the proper God. It's always an idol, like Allah or something like that. A piece of wood or a piece of metal that people pray to but never answers them. So when somebody asks you, why are you a Christian? You don't want to start a debate on trying to prove your answer because it's really difficult to do that. Even that Jesus died on the cross and rose from the dead. There's only the witness of scripture. Now, some people will say that's not sufficient. You know, why do you believe the Bible? Well, it's really important that that is really a similar question to why are you a Christian? Now, you can argue that God exists. You can argue that Jesus rose from the dead. And sometimes that will have a positive impact. And other times it won't take long to see that even if Jesus instantly appeared next to the person who's asking you that question, they would still walk away unbelieving. You know, Jesus gave no evidence for why he had to die on the cross or rise from the dead. Remember that tremendous Bible study on the road to Emmaus with those two disciples. What evidence did Jesus give? He didn't even show himself. Instead, he gave them Bible verses from the Old Testament. And those Bible verses they had understood, at least in their language, but they didn't know the meaning of. In Isaiah 53, it says that God laid our iniquity on Jesus Christ. Well, it 
didn't register in their minds that that was talking about the cross because they loved Jesus. They were following him. Suddenly he gets arrested. He goes to trial. He's crucified. The disciples, they're devastated. They can't make any sense out of it. Until Jesus does that walk on the road to Emmaus. And in the best Bible study probably ever spoken, helps them to understand the reasons why God allowed his only begotten son to be crucified and also to rise from the dead for you. So when somebody asks you, why are you a Christian? And you answer, well, I'm a Christian because I believe in these truths. God exists. Jesus exists and he rose from the dead. Immediately, they're going to start asking you, how can you prove that? And you cannot prove that. So what is the second way to answer the, Christian, the question, why am I a Christian? And it is actually the more accurate way to answer that question. It's rare, though, that when you have a person in front of you that they're going to be able to absorb your answer and not look at you like it grows out of an extra head. The real reason a person is a Christian is because God had mercy on that person and reached down to save him or her. That's why you are a Christian. We know that as Christians, as sure as we know anything. But that type of knowledge is different in kind than the awareness and acceptance of the Bible as being true. William Lane Craig said it well. It's the difference between knowing and showing the Christian faith. Now, what does that mean? Now, the letter that we received in the email from Robin gives his reason, an example from his own life. He started reading a book decades ago. It was a book on Bible prophecy. And he said when he began to read that book, he wasn't on fire for God. In fact, quite the opposite. He really had no previous interest in the subject of prophecy. And he really didn't understand Scripture at all. In other words, 
as he's reading this book about prophecy, he's reading Old Testament passages that are fulfilled in the New Testament. It's kind of like a walk on the road to Emmaus. And he says, all of a sudden, I was wide-eyed and electrified by the ideas that I was reading from the Old Testament. A real God thing in action was happening, but I was not really that aware of it. Once I had gotten to the end of my reading, I found that the final chapter was aimed at me because it helped me to understand the gospel. You see, that's really what's important about becoming a Christian. Yes, the work of John the baptizer, that baptism of repentance in preaching the law, what it helps us to understand is our need for a savior. Because the more we hear the law, the more we are convinced that there is nothing we can do by works to save ourselves. We cannot control our motivation. What has to happen is that we have to receive a new heart. And that's the prayer of David. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. That's the coming of the Holy Spirit. And when you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, and that can occur either by the sacrament of baptism or by just reading the word of God, like in Isaiah or Romans, you suddenly hear the good news. It's good news for people who have never had a saving relationship with God. And the writer says, that would be me. So what I discovered is why I am a Christian. I'm a Christian because the Holy Spirit provided me with faith. What's faith? Faith is not only just believing what the Bible has to say, but specifically what the promises of the Bible to me from Jesus have to say. He has a promise that my sins have been forgiven. And they have not been forgiven because I'm living a new life in the sense that I'm now doing good works all the time and never sin anymore. No. What happens when the Holy Spirit comes over me, I recognize something 
that I had never had. After that, nothing external in me changed. I had the same job, went to the same school, had the same family, the same friends, same everything. So externally, life didn't change, but inside of life, I changed. As one theologian said, you're saved before you know it. And that is specifically true about infants who are baptized. They are saved, but they're unaware of it. It also is true about adults. Remember the man born blind? Jesus told to go wash in the pool of Siloam. He did, he came back seeing. He believed the word of Jesus. He was saved, but he didn't know it until Jesus told him, I'm the one you've been waiting for. So reading the Bible really changes. You now have a desire to read the Bible. People love it. You can't wait to get to church if you have a worship service that has proper liturgy, proper readings, proper sacraments, and tremendous sermons, dividing law and gospel. Then you begin to talk to people about the God who brought you to faith. That's called evangelism something this person had never done until the Holy Spirit gave him faith. In fact, he gives an example that a missionary had visited the church and he walked down the aisle and put in all the money he had in his pocket into the plate for the missionary. And when he returned to the pew, he looked back and thought, what just happened? That wasn't me before. So what's going on? The truth of God became living knowledge in me because according to Acts 5, verse 32, the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those, I believed, because of Romans 8, 16, the Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. And from Galatians 4, 6, because you are his sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. So, 
what was happening in his conversion. God used the truths of scripture and Bible prophecy as the instructive cause of his salvation. But he was God, the efficient cause of it. I was shown the Christian faith through prophecy, but it was really made known to me through the Holy Spirit, helping me to understand that prophecy. When that happens, you can then have a life that not only knows the Bible is true, but shows the Bible is true. The person knows they're saved because of their changed life inside. And he can show that transformation to others as evidence. The primary way of doing that was given by Paul some 2,000 years ago. If you really want to deny the faith, all you have to do is find the body of that Jewish carpenter and it's game over. That's according to 1 Corinthians 15, verse 14. But good luck with that. You will never find the body of the Jewish carpenter. So why are you a Christian? Not because of truths that intelligently show God exists and Jesus exists, but you are a Christian because God has entered your heart by the gift of the Holy Spirit and enables you to believe. The same is true for every one of you who is a Christian. Give thanks and glory to God. We'll continue Monday with continuation of Law and Gospel Insights to help you understand Bible passages and get you excited about reading the Bible. God bless you. Listen to Law and Gospel each weekday morning at 9.30 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law and Gospel, please make your check out to Law and Gospel and mail to Law and Gospel P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri 63132 or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962. Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. If you'd like to comment on programs or topics heard on Worldwide KFUO, write us at KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can also leave a question or comment on our comment line at 314-996-1542. We are the messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO.